0: All right, that ought to get things started. You can find your seat again. Hi, John. The introverts are already sitting. The extroverts are crying. All right, well, great. So great to have everyone here. It's a, it's a fun day. And Sean, thanks again for that. Uh, poem and just the energy, the power of that. Let's bless God. All right. We are in a series right now. We're calling uh, Psalms of Ascents. And uh, the the idea is that we are journeying towards God together. So we're going through the 15 of the Psalms of Ascents, 120 to 134, picking and choosing on a couple of those. They're called the Psalms of Ascents because... Um, the people of God were, were walking towards Jerusalem. Literally, these were psalms or songs that would be sung together in unity as pilgrims at least three times a year would make their way to Jerusalem in order to worship God. At that point, they were, you know, their understanding was they lived there in the promised land and God lived in the temple in Jerusalem. And so they were going towards him, towards worship to be together. In the same way that theirs was a physical pilgrimage, they also, the people of God, had a spiritual pilgrimage, as do we, right? Have both a physical pilgrimage through life in this body and then a spiritual pilgrimage in the, in the, the journey of our own soul, the way we walk with God, in God, and towards God through our lives. So these psalms were songs they would sing together. It's like a song, uh, a soundtrack, for their spiritual journey. So as you're reading through those in these next couple of months, think about this is the soundtrack of my spiritual journey. And the beauty of these psalms is that they're not all happy clappy songs. You know, they're a real soundtrack. That means they follow your real life, not just the the mountains, but also the valleys and all that stuff in between that sometimes can really, really get at us. So These psalms would be sung in community, so I want us to read this one this morning in community. So last time I'll ask you to stand, but let's do it again. And let's read together Psalm 121. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Amen. You can be seated. <laughs> Someone gave me an extra amen there. Um, some years ago, after a particularly difficult time in ministry, I felt like God had called me and, and led me to a place in a ministry, and it was very painful, very hard If I'm honest, I felt like God called me, God led me, God sent me, and then God abandoned me. That's what it felt like. Actually, worse than that, it felt like God killed me. (laughs) And uh, when I came back from that time, and um, I was trying to figure out, you know, what, you ever had that in your life? You're just like, what was that all about? Like that whole thing, like, what was that about? And I had trouble, you know, worshiping, I had trouble praying, I just, I've struggled finding God. And the uh, one chapter of one book that helped me more than anything else during that time, I wish I could say it was the Holy Bible. It wasn't. It was a systematic theology. Chapter 16, and the title of that chapter was simply Providence. That's, That's what helped me more than anything coming out of that difficult time where I thought, God, what were you doing? Where were you? You sent me and then you left me. Worse, you killed me. Why did you do that? And it was providence, God's ability to sustain all things, to cooperate with or use all things, and to make all things govern in his holy purpose. That everything that happens, God uses in some way, shape, or form to fulfill his purpose in the world. It was that reality. And I admit it, you know, it's kind of nerdy. You were, you, know, you were helped by a systematic theology. yes. Right thinking has a lot to do with how we live out our lives. And that recognition for me that this whole mess that I feel like I'd I felt like I'd made of my life was not su- outside of God's perfect plan for my life. Now I can tell you just a mere 28 years later, that was God's kindness to me. Because I could see God's, um, God's invitation to me to humility. I could see God's tenderness with my wife and with my children. I could see God's plan in the midst of things when I thought I knew what I was doing, but he really knew what he wanted to do. I could see God's provision. I I could see that while God did, I think, lovingly killed me, he killed me so that he could give me new life. And I look back at that time now, and I think that was a hallmark of my life in God. Great success? No. Horrible failure. Redeemed by God, in his perfect will, God's providence. I highly recommend it. (laughs) I think that uh, a lot of this psalm has to do with the providence and the protection of God. And so I want to look at this together. I, um, I always prepare for messages. I do my job. Um, this particular one, I read more than I normally do. Um, I studied more. I questioned more. I'm not sure what about this, but I ended up with about 30 pages of notes. And and then I had the good sense to say, God, what would you like to say to the vineyard in this place on this day from Psalm 121? And so I'm going to boldly tell you, I think the Lord said exactly what he wanted to say to us. And I'm going to say it. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to say this in first person. Here's what I think the Lord is saying to us this morning. Number one, look to me first and foremost. God says, look to me first and foremost. Number two, God says, I am present no matter what you think or feel. Number three, God says, I am trustworthy and you can trust me no matter what in your life, with anything. And I think the Lord even said, yes, even that. And number four, God says this morning, I reign over all. I don't don't think I have to worry about being stoned by any of those statements. I think those are all straight from the scripture, exactly the heart and the attitude of God this morning. So now I've told you what I'm going to tell you, and now I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. And when I'm done, I will tell you what I told you. Number one, and so you, pro- you heard these in my prayer at the beginning, if you were listening. You heard them again just now. I'm going to just go through them one by one. These are promises from God to be believed, and at the same time, they're invitations to be accepted. So let's just walk through Psalm 121, God's psalm of pr- providence and protection, and, and hear the promises so that we can believe and respond to the invitations with a hearty yes. Number one, look to me for your help, no matter what. So number one, look to God for your help. Psalmist says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Um, My wife and I recently spent some time in the mountains and mountains are beautiful. You know, you hike, you're sort of astounded by the grandeur um, of the mountains. They seem powerful. They seem sturdy. At this time in, uh, in Israel, when the Jews were going towards Jerusalem, the mountains wouldn't necessarily have, um, have connotated safe, grandeur, amazing. It's the mountains where the robbers hung out, right? It's the mountains where the bad guys were. On, on many hills and mountains in Israel at this time, there were pagans worshiping. So people would go up to the mountain and they would worship. Or if they needed protection on their journey, they would go and pray to the sun god or to the moon god. So while we look at mountains, well, we don't in Indiana, while we imagine mountains (laughs) on our screensaver, right, and think that's amazing, they might think, wait a minute, that is either scary or that's downright evil. So it gives a little context to why the psalmist would say, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Does my help come from the mountains? And the answer is absolutely not. My help doesn't come from the mountains, where the, the place where people go to figure out what they can do to get what they want out of God or, or pagan worship. My help doesn't come from the mountains where evil things may lurk and I don't even know what's going to happen there. The psalmist says, clearly, my help comes from the Lord, the one who made the mountains. So if anything, from this first two verses, we would say, as you ask that question in your life, hey, I need some help. Is there anyone who doesn't need help? Because if there is anyone who doesn't need help, I want you to start a ministry, and I want you to help everyone. (laughs) The rest of us are in it, right? So the psalmist says, hey, I need help no matter what the deal was going on in his life, he said, I need help. And I look up to the mountains and my help doesn't come from the mountains. My help comes from God who made the mountains. So let the problems of life lift your eyes up and go past fear to faith and look past the mountains to the one who created the mountains. I think that's the point of those first couple of verses. We're often tempted to look for help in the wrong place. In our lives, and tempted to find help in someone or something that can never come through. I mean, you can probably feel that. Like you know that there have been times in your life where you had an issue, you had trouble, and you sort of thought, "Well, I'm, I'm going to find someone who can help me. I'm going to I'm going to get this need met in some way." Dan Allender um, wrote a book called *The Healing Path*, and I want to read a kind of a long quote from it because it it struck me, and it and it may be Important for you. He says, We befriend the world whenever we demand that others be what only God has promised to be faithful and sure. All human relationships, even our most intimate alliances, are temporary and incomplete. When we demand that another person provide safety, certainty, and fulfillment of our deepest desires, we turn from God. To an idol for the fulfillment of our needs. When we turn from God, we inevitably demand of others the very things we miss in our relationship with God. If we don't know His deep care and protection, we will insist another human being provide what we lack. In other words, we are so readily tempted to forget God and look for people or things or substances or whatever to substitute for God because we are afraid or fail to or forget to look to God who created all those things. And so it's, a, it's an invitation. It, it's a promise, you know, look to God, here I am, but it's an invitation to look up past whatever you might be depending upon right now that is not him. Please don't hear me say we don't need each other or we don't need relationships Or institutions like government or church and education aren't good things. They are good things. They're just not the ultimate thing. It's funny, I was just walking through um, the building, you know, while people were gathering, and I heard someone, I think it was Arik, I don't know where Arik is right now, but I, I heard him saying, there he is, I just heard him saying in his deep resonant voice, when we look past the creation, When we look past God, the creator, to the creation, we've gone wrong. Or something like that. It's the same point. We are beautiful, the creation of God, but we are the creation of God. And our help comes from the creator, not the created. Does that make sense? So your spouse, your friend, the government, church, your own self-will, those are not evil things. But they become idols if we look to them rather than God. And so I would say, with all due respect, on this beautiful Independence Day weekend, which I love so much of what our country represents, there is only one who can truly be independent. And he is the one that we depend upon. So yay for independence as long as we take our independence and our freedom and we look to the one upon whom we're supposed to be dependent. I, I looked to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Does my help come from the mountains? No. My help, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Only the one who made all things can reign over all things. Only the one who made everything can reign over everything. So look to God for your help. I think that's the gist of the first couple of verses Psalm 121. Second, the Lord says this morning to us, I am present no matter what. God is present. Verses 3 and 4. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. If you read closely, you can see there's a shift there's a shift from I and my to your, and um, it's, a, it's a different pronoun. It's like Psalm 42, where, you know, the psalmist says, Why so downcast, O my soul? It's like the psalmist here was looking up. I'm, I'm in trouble. I need help. Does my help come from the mountains? No, my help comes from the Lord. And now he starts to talk to himself. Have you talked to yourself? That's fine. Just say nice things to yourself. He starts to talk to himself. He who will he, he will not let you stumble, the one who watch over, over, watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over all people will neither slumber or sleep. He's speaking to his own soul. I won't let your foot stumble. I'll watch over you. I won't fall asleep. Does it seem kind of strange, like right in the middle, like what's the point of God? Like why does it say all of a sudden God won't fall asleep? A uh, couple months ago, I don't even remember the series we're in, but I spoke from First Kings 17. And it's where Elijah is on um, the mountain and against the prophets of Baal. And do you remember when Elijah is taunting the prophets of Baal? He's saying like, you better shout louder. Maybe they fell asleep. Maybe they're in the bathroom. It actually says that in the Bible. I don't know if these... So-called gods were notoriously sleepy or um, sluggish. I don't know, but there was a part of their religious work that was: we got to get God's attention. He might be asleep. He might not be really caring about you. It's like you got to be the loudest screamer, you know. To the this is maybe where the squeaky wheel gets the grease came from, but probably not. Anyway, the point here is God is always available. God will never be asleep on us. God will never for a minute look from you and not be fully attentive to you. That's what makes God, God. I've, I've heard people, you know, they'll come up in front after the service and say, well, it's just a tiny thing. It, it's not that important. God has so many other things to do, right? As if God being God cannot be fully present to every human at all times. That's what makes him God. And so the Lord says to us this morning, I'm present. Whether you see me or not, I'm present. Whether you feel me or not, I'm present. Whether you feel like you can hear my voice, I'm here. Uh, Some smart guy from the fourth century with the sweet name of Erasmus. I just recommend that to any of you who are pregnant. Erasmus. Yeah. Yeah. Erasmus said um, bidden or not god is present. In other words, whether you ask him to be present or not, he is present. You know, do you ever do something and you think, "Oh my gosh, I forgot to pray before that." As if god missed it because you didn't get his attention. It's good to pray. I'm all for prayer. It's part of my title. I'm the prayer pastor. But we don't have to fear our own lack because god is present whether we ask him to be or not. When we say Holy Spirit come, it's not because he's somewhere else and we want him to come here. It's because we want to see the manifestation of his nearness. We're longing for more. I knew my granddaughter was going to walk in this morning, and I sensed she was over there, and I saw her, and that was beautiful. She was here, but when she ran across and said granddaddy and hugged me, then, I, then chills, right? She was here, but then I really felt her presence. God is present like that for us. Look for God and you will find him. It's not like he's lost, but sometimes we lose our intentional awareness of God. So a lot of times when I'm talking to people about what's God doing in their lives, I ask them questions about what's happening and I will ask a real simple question like, what might God be saying to you in the midst of this? What, what is it that God might be saying or doing in your life right now that if this wasn't happening, you wouldn't be aware of? That's how we look for God, even though he's present all the time. A uh, little bit more than 10 years ago, um, my sister Laurie died. And um, it was a Sunday morning. It was uh, Memorial Day, and I was just walking into the church when I found out. I got a phone call, and my parents were actually here in town. The day before she died, I know I've told the story before, but the day before she died, I was walking with my parents around our neighborhood, and my mom said something about my sister, Laurie, and this, this sentence came into my head unbidden, and it was just, she won't be here next year. That's what I heard. It's like, I didn't say anything. I thought, that's weird. The next day, she died. You, you know what that was for me? When I found out the news, I was sad, and we grieved But we didn't grieve without hope, and we didn't grieve without God, because God had spoken to me. That, to me, he didn't take away my pain, but he showed me his presence in the midst of it. So you might be here right now, knowing where we're headed in this psalm. Eventually, he's going to say, the Lord will not let anything cause you harm. And you're going to go, wait a minute. We're getting to that. Right now, God is present He's present even in the midst of your pain. Sometimes the invitation is for us to look a little deeper or ask someone that we, that we respect. Hey, I'm in, the, I'm in a pickle here. I don't know what's going on. Can you help me find God? Because I know he's here, but I just don't know where. God is present no matter what. Look to him. Number three, the Lord tells us this morning, I can be trusted. God can be trusted verses 5 and 6, The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. What came to me when I read that was nothing that God made can keep me from his protection. Nothing that God created, moon, sun, heavens, you know, cyclones, whatever, Nothing that God made can keep me from his protection, and remember we're talking about providential protection. We're getting to that. when they talk about the sun um, that would that would do something to you by day and the moon by night, sun makes sense, right If you're out in the sun all day, you get sunburn or, or heat stroke or whatever. but like what's the deal about the moon? you know what's moonstroke all about um, in, in fact, in that day, um, they associated the, the things of night and the moon with emotional challenges. You know the word we have, lunacy? Lunacy comes from the word lunar, because there was a time at which people thought, well, the, the physical, the sun will get you in the day, and then the, your emotional stuff, your junk, your issues will get you at night. <laughs> I, sorry, quick here. Jane and I were walking yesterday in another town, and there's a woman with a T-shirt. And the T-shirt says, I have canceled my subscription to your issues. (laughs) Is that great? I want that shirt so bad. (laughs) It just took you a while, you know, but like this is beautiful. Anyway. Um, so the sun, you know, the physical things, and the, the moon in this context would be your, your psychological issues, your emotional stuff. In other words, the promise of the psalm here is that God won't let the things of the world hurt you, but he also won't let the things inside you keep you from his purpose and will in your life. We all have issues. We would love to cancel our subscription to those issues. God wants to be invited into those issues. That's why we do sozo, and that's why we pray for people, and that's why we constantly point one another to God in small groups and during worship, because we need God in the midst of our issues. Eight times in these eight verses, some form of the word to keep or watch is used. Now, it's like the, the a theme over this psalm is the Lord is your keeper. The Lord keeps you. He watches you. He protects you. He's close to you. He is your protective um, um, covering, your protective shade. He's that near. The point is God isn't way far away. He is not just present, but he is protectively present. He's right next to you. That's how close God is, and the psalmist wants to say that. He's your guardian. He's not far but near. He's not distracted. He's not asleep. He's not absent, but he's present, and he's fully engaged. Whether or not you feel that or not, or whether he's fully engaged the way you want God to be, he is present, and he just wants us to acknowledge his presence so that he can do his work. So that number three, God can be trusted. If you can't trust God in something, you can't trust God in anything. If there's something in your life right now, you think, I I can trust God with my physical health, with my finances, but not with this relationship. Or I can trust God with my family and the church, but not in my work. Or I can trust God with everything out there, but not my fear of, of disease or something, or whatever your thing might be. God can be trusted in all things, or God can be trusted in no thing. And I'm I'm trying to say this kindly with a smile on my face, but it's the epitome of pride to think that there is something in our lives that we have screwed up so badly that God can't be trusted to redeem it. He's either God or he's not. If he's not God, you are, and I'd rather the former. So number three, the Lord says, trust me. God's trustworthy. And number four, he reigns over all. Verses seven and eight. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forevermore. So now we get to the question that everyone's been wondering, like, what's the deal? He will not let you stumble. He will not let any harm befall befall you. He'll watch over everything. He'll protect you. Does this mean that if you're a Christian, you will never sprain your ankle? Heck, Elizabeth and I banged heads this morning just walking out of the, out of the sanctuary, you know? Does that mean we're both, we, oh, God forgot us for a minute? Absolutely not. There's no exemption for the Christian from the challenge and the troubles of life, but it seems so clear, like, like the psalmist is saying, nothing bad will happen. And so what we have to do when we get to this place in the Scripture where our experience just doesn't match up with what we think the Scripture is saying, we've got to stand back from the Scripture and look at the bigger picture. We've got to stand back and look at the context of our lives. Look at the context of the Scripture. Take what the Bible says uh, in the context of all that the Bible reveals. That's how Alistair Begg says it. He's a Scottish guy sweet accent and also brilliant he says we need to take what the bible says in the context of all that the bible reveals so you've got for instance joseph you know sold into slavery tossed in a pit ends up naked despised by his family falsely accused imprisoned all these horrible things happen to him and joseph says to his brothers in genesis 50 20 You intended this for evil, but God intended this for good. There's a a short definition of providence. Does it mean nothing bad will ever happen? No. It means that what happens in our lives that God allows, the challenging, the hard, the awful, will be used by God in the redemption of all things. God is that big. He reigns over all. This quote from Alistair Begg, I won't do it in the Scottish accent. (laughs) You're welcome. In the economy of God, even the evil, the bad, the disappointment is employed by God so that from the vantage point of eternity, and it may take eternity to resolve this, it will be apparent that God employs evil deeds and intentions to defeat evil itself. So this scripture isn't telling us if you're a good Christian and God's there, nothing bad will ever happen. What it is saying is that n- nothing will prevent you from being close to God and evil will not win in our lives. In fact, just to give you a little bit of comfort, where you see in the, in the scripture, no harm will befall you. The Hebrew word for harm there, it makes sense to us as harm. The, the word is the word for evil. In every other place where you see the word evil in the Bible, it's that same word. So it's not nothing bad will ever happen, but evil will not reign in our lives. And it may take eternity for us to figure out and understand how that all works. To just go straight to the heart of it, look to the cross of Jesus. Look to the cross of Jesus. How would Jesus sing this psalm? No harm will ever befall you. You, you won't stumble. Um, I'll protect you in every way. How would Jesus, who willingly went to the cross, was flogged, was beaten, was murdered, how would he sing the song? You look at the cross of Christ and you think the greatest evil ever perpetrated in human history, man kills God, is the source of the greatest redemption, in all eternity. How do you square that? All I can do is say, it's a good thing you're God, and you've got this figured out, because I can't figure it out. God chose to allow the worst evil to bring the greatest redemption, and he will do it in our lives. I, I wish I could say, nothing bad will ever happen. We can pray, God protects. I've heard miracle stories but we have to look higher than our circumstances to see the one who created all things and say, God, you're God, no matter what. Matthew 10. Jesus is commissioning his disciples. You know, the disciples think like we're we're on the right team. We got the good guy. This guy's got power. Like we are ready to roll. And Jesus sends out his uh, disciples. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. And some of them are going, whoa, wait a minute. Let's watch the wolf talk. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Be on your guard. This is shrewd. Wise. Be as uh, wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove. Tweet, tweet. That gets the big laugh. He says, you will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. How's this for a pep talk? On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. He goes on. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. This is Jesus commissioning. This This is the victory speech. And then he closes with this. So don't be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Obviously, this psalm is not saying nothing bad will ever happen. God's, the psalm is saying in the context of life and eternity, God's providential protection invites me to look at my life in context and acknowledge that he reigns over all. I admit it took me 15 years to see God's providential protection in that horrible ministry experience. And you might be in the midst of one of those right now. And all I can say is, don't lose hope. Look to God. He's present. He can be trusted, and he truly reigns over all. Remember, ultimately, this journey is to God in heaven, right? Nothing made by God has the power to separate us from the purposes of God in and through our lives in light of eternity. Evil will never win out. One of my favorite verses, Job, yeah, Job 42.2. Nothing, uh, God cannot be thwarted. God cannot be thwarted. Now, put that into the context of your life. I'm not saying it's easy, but he's either God or he's not. He reigns over all or he reigns over nothing. Hear the promises and the invitations from God today one more time. Look to me for your help, first and foremost. I'm present in your life. No matter what, yes, even in that, whether you ask me to be present or not, I can be trusted utterly and completely in the midst of all things because the Lord says this morning, here's the promise and the invitation I reign over all. Let's stand. If I could have the ministry team come forward, we'll respond. The Lord is speaking. He has spoken. I don't know what it is that he said to you, but if anything that was said this morning or God spoke to you in the midst of worship or you walked in with has um, risen to the surface and you realize, I, I need to go before God with this, I just ask you, as I'm praying, just come forward. Anyone on the ministry team here can, can pray for you. If you're here this morning and you don't have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus and you want to know what it means, to become a child of god anyone in the front here can can uh, talk to you can pray with you maybe someone they invited you you can talk to them about what it means to know god personally let's pray god we look to you as our help first and foremost and god we thank you that you are present i would ask god for increased awareness of your presence in our lives Lord, I thank you that um, you can be trusted in every situation, even in that one place that feels like we can't trust you. We don't know what it would look like or feel like. God, we thank you that you reign. We worship you as King of kings, Lord of lords, sovereign over the universe in the name of Jesus. If you'd like someone to pray for you, please come forward or ask someone that you came with to pray for you. Um, Praise God. Happy Fourth of July. Have a great day and look to God. Amen.